It's Monday, it's midnight, it's my top ten. Joining me this week is the marvellous ACW, an actor, writer, comedian. It's Annie McGrath. She A and W'd in Channel 4's Girls Go Trolling. Before recording this, I saw her C and W in Shepherd. No, not country and western. Keep up with the analogy. Her comedy and her writing. She has done tons of things, um, most of which you can find via her website, animagrath.com, or on YouTube, where her output with Turtle Canyon is quite extensive. So look that up. We met up at the Fringe a few days after I'd seen the aforementioned Shepherd, which I thought was brilliant. Have a listen. spent the whole episode with just those three characters. Anyway, this week on My Top Ten, I'm joined by the fabulous Annie McGrath. Hello, Annie. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, how has your fringe been? We're, we're nearing the end, aren't we? Yeah, three shows left. Um, it's been good, actually. I've enjoyed it. I'm yeah. Yeah, doing a show on the free fringe, so I've enjoyed that. Audiences have been good. Some nice reviews. Um, just ready to go home and sleep. I saw the show and thought it was fabulous. Oh, thank you. You have to say that, though, because well, I'm on the podcast. Well, no, not really. Although, it made me feel very confused as a man. I right. didn't recognise myself in all of the men that you sort of were describing in the show, but at the same time, I felt very disgusted by most of them. Yeah, well, I've got three stories about creepy men, but the point isn't to be anti-men and put all men under the same bracket. It's just to highlight some behaviour. And I'm very sorry for the behaviour of some of my kind. Thank you. You are responsible for, for all men, so thanks for apologising. You're very welcome, and thank you for making it so funny. Oh, good. Yeah, hopefully there's some balance between uh, serious and funny. That's what I was trying to achieve anyway. Um, let's push on before the drums get too overwhelming. Apologies, dear listener, if you can hear them in the background. Um, so, Annie, what is your three-sentence life story? As in, like, what I've achieved or what... Oh, no, well... Where? Second question is three <laughs> career highlights. Oh, so Christ. I grew up in London. I went to school in Oxford. I now do comedy and... No, and? Oh, Oh, no. sorry, no, that can be the same <laughs> sentence, can't it, the and? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. You can put and in a sentence. Well. Yes. But now I don't... And podcasts, that was the end. Hey, I'm um, so sorry. What an awful God, host. That, well, that was a boring answer from me, wasn't it? Career um, highlights. Three, um, yes. Viral tweet about spinach. Going to the BAFTAs. And am I allowed and? Yes. And ten Edinburgh Fringe festivals. Gosh, you don't look old enough. And that's don't look old enough. Oh yeah, well I did. I did the Edinburgh Fringe when I was at university, so I did three um, stints in as part of a student sketch group. Um, so yeah, this is my tenth festival. Gosh, 
and you're still coming back. I know, weird, isn't it? I've been in less than a week and I feel frayed around the edges yeah. and I've not even been performing. Yeah, but sometimes I find it, sometimes it's harder for punters. Watching shows is definitely more tiring than doing a show. Yeah. So you have to see like six a day. And your face just aches from the smiling. Yeah, you've got to laugh. Yeah. That's the good thing about doing a show, you don't have to react. I don't mind um, being picked on when sitting in the front mm. row. But I hate sitting in the front row just because you feel like you have to laugh. Yeah, I, yeah I hate that too because I'm a silent laugher. Yeah, me so I'm too. A bit hypocritical. When audiences are quiet, I get annoyed and then I think maybe they're just all like me and they don't laugh loudly, they just smile and internalise the idea that it's funny. And you've got a, uh, you've, you've done a short on that very thing, haven't you? The girl. Yes, who yeah, yeah, the girl who's never laughed. Yeah. Um, because I did get fed up of people telling me I was dead inside. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing that short and it's got some great people in it. Ashling B, Charlotte Ritchie. Um, yeah, good cast. So that one should have been nominated for a BAFTA, surely. I know, right? Yeah, so but the one that was nominated, uh, what was, how did that come that about? Was, I'm actually only in it for about five seconds, playing a kind of demonic hag <laughs> type cast. It's, a film called The Blue Door written by Ben Clark and Megan Pugh and it's a short horror film with Gemma Whelan in it and she's brilliant and I just pop up at the end playing a kind of horrific demon. But those were clearly the five seconds that pushed it into a well, category. Yeah. That was the horror bit I guess. I am the horror thing. Which is weird watching it because I hate horror films so knowing that I'm the scary bit in it was quite confusing because I was nervous about seeing myself so I was nervous that it wouldn't be scary, but they did such a good job with the kind of directing and editing it. It does. It is actually scary, <laughs> I think. And is your attitude towards horror has it softened since? Uh, no, I hate horror films. Yeah. Hmm. So, what's the subject of your top ten? The subject of my top ten is chocolate bars. Something which means a lot to me. It's been a big part of my life. Um, big chocolate fan. I actually found it quite hard to narrow it down. I have I've made some notes, actually. Without mentioning the brands or the... Well, yeah. You can mention brands, but without mentioning any specific bar that's on your list. OK. Uh, what sort of things would you be looking for? Well, I'm quite a traditionalist. When I go for a chocolate bar, I like... I like the primary thing to be... Cho- I like a solid chocolate bar, like not too much waff, wafer, biscuit. Like sometimes like a bit of caramel or biscuit but I'm quite a purist so yeah I like the classic solid chocolate I don't want to give any spoilers but and as a child were you allowed chocolate regularly was it something that was mm, my mum is very healthy so she's a an osteopath and a nutritionist so she's always brought us up to eat quite good healthy food so we were allowed chocolate but never allowed sweets and we were sort of monitored on our chocolate but my granddad always used to come round with carrier bags full of chocolate bars mm-hmm. which was always a nice treat so and yeah when I went to my dad's house we could eat whatever we wanted and how did that cause friction between your parents? Nah, not really bigger fish to fry than chocolate bars are there any near misses ones that were sort of bubbling under that you really wanted on the list but there just yeah, wasn't space yeah actually I do have a few in brackets okay so we've got boost do you like a boost? I like a boost yeah quite an intense chocolate I think they've got caffeine extra caffeine yeah so it's quite um, it's like the drugs of the chocolate world I think 
migraine inducing sometimes yeah exactly so it didn't make the cut I think because of I don't have it that frequently so the ones that made the top 10 are probably my most regular choices boost I'd have maybe once a year yeah um, in the same vein double decker I love the idea of it but it is intense and not something you can have as part of your daily routine is that because just too too much too but such a dense amount of nougat yeah and like does make you feel sick yeah but also it's delicious and I quite like eating the nougat <laughs> separately like biting off the top bit and then having the base you're just having a single decker so yeah just a single decker yeah under the guise of a double yeah nice number 10 number 10 now this is I did um and ah about this one because it's a Kit Kat a classic but I wouldn't basically I chose it because it was my first ever chocolate bar so my mum's friend Jilly Black shout out to Jilly she won't be listening uh, no disrespect to the podcast disrespect not taken different generation um, she gave me two sticks of Kit Kat when I was I think I was two and apparently I just sucked on it for an hour and just hummed mm. nice and I think that's a testament to the Kit Kat I don't often choose a Kit Kat but it's nice sometimes with a cup of tea mm. and did you say that it was a two finger one rather than I think four? it was a two finger one yeah because I was a baby mm. so four would have been a bit much but that is the good thing about a Kit Kat you can have the two sticks the four sticks the chunky yeah and other flavours of chunky. Other, oh yeah, I've never tried another flavour of chunky. Oh, the they pink, do like peanut cookies butter and one's nice. Is it? I hate peanuts. Oh. So you'd hate it. I'd hate it. Yeah. Are you a fan of the Kit Kat? I like a Kit Kat. And can I put forward a hypothesis? Please. Yeah. Uh, you said that you like a lot of chunk and not a lot of waff. Yeah. Um, and then I've gone straight in with a wafer biscuit as my first. Yeah. Well, you know, fair enough to put it at number ten. If you were to get one. Mm. of those lovely rare ones where the waff is missing oh I love that would it be a lot higher up your list yeah yeah probably although I don't I'm not as into Nestle chocolate as Cadbury's and Kit Kat's Nestle isn't it yes yeah although I did have I do have a surprising number of Nestle it's almost 50-50 but obviously prefer Cadbury's yeah is that obvious I don't have any Galaxy brands I don't think oh no wait hang on I think I do have one We'll oh, get to that. Teaser, teaser. So, two fingers in the Kit Kat, two of you in your act, uh, twins, you and yeah. Jack Barry. Yeah, seamless link, I love it. Thank you very much. Um, had sleepless nights thinking that one up. Um, <laughs> is that something that is going to continue into the future? Or? Well, we haven't done a show since uh, 2016, so it's been three years since we've done the double act, um, but we're both doing stand up shows. Um, and there's no, yeah, we would like to do it again. It's just quite a lot of work writing a sketch show and a stand-up show. Yeah. So we found we both wanted to focus on the stand-up for now, but never say never. So now you've become Kit Kat, individual Kit Kat chunkies. Yeah. The two-fingered is a thing <laughs> of the past. For now, yeah. But maybe they'll release a two-stick <gasps> chunky. Oh. And that's our title for next year's show. That is just way too exciting. Number nine. Number nine. I chose, again, I feel like I'm um, being a bit of a hypocrite, but I chose Yorkie. 
I think I used to eat Yorkies as a bit of a feminist statement because of their branding, not for girls, I found so annoying. Yeah, I did. And I thought, fuck you guys. I'm going to have one of these, even though I'm a girl. I guess the idea, because they're, they're, they're quite thick, it's like a slab of chocolate, and obviously girls can't enjoy chunky chocolate. Um, so yeah, I used to like having a Yorkie as a, as a kind of protest, but maybe I wouldn't have chosen it if it wasn't for the branding. Yeah. So that's good branding, I guess, because it's appealing to alpha males, but also feminists. I think it used to be the chocolate bar for lorry drivers. I think that's how they branded before that. So I oh, suppose really? that was just an extension. Do they still brand it like that? Because I feel like oh, they probably wouldn't get away with that now, would they? If they do brand it like that, should we complain to Ofcom for laugh? Yes, please. Um, I remember having an East, a Yorkie Easter egg as a whippersnapper that had mm. uh, the box as a lorry. It's oh, quite right. exciting. So you could yeah. eat the chocolate and play with a cardboard box. Oh, that's afterwards. good. Yeah, so appealing to young boys gendered chocolate yeah yeah although on the flip side of that they're cutting out half their market aren't they yeah but then i guess people who are protesting buy into it so i'm regretting having yorkie i haven't had a yorkie for ages i'm starting to look at the things in brackets on the side do you want to switch it out no you've got to got to back yourself sure yeah should we move past it yeah yeah let's move past it the yorkie's getting in my head uh, number eight, I've gone for Twix. Hey! That like been, a Twix. That would have been better for the twins reference, wouldn't it? Yeah, two. I ruined that, didn't I? That's the good thing about Twix. You feel like you're getting two chocolate bars. I also like having a Twix with a... Should I be described? Everyone knows what a Twix is. Oh, for the listeners. Just for fun. Biscuit, just to hear caramel. Adjectives. Chocolate, two sticks. And the good thing is when you bite off the top, then dip it into... Oh yeah, bite off each end. Have you ever done this? Dip it into a cup of tea, and then you can like suck through the twist. <laughs> I haven't done that. So but that I it want melts now. the biscuit and the caramel. And you can also do it with a penguin. That's not on my list, obviously, because it's a biscuit rather than a chocolate bar. God, that's a that's a much wider straw, though, isn't it? The penguin. Yeah, but uh, smaller in length, so easier in a way. You should try that. I can't wait. <laughs> first thing I'm going to do when I leave here is find yeah. a, cup of t- a couple of tea. A cup of tea and a Twix. And a and Twix, just yeah. Have a suck. Nice. Number seven. <laughs> Number seven. This again is quite a strange choice, I think. I've been told... Okay. I've gone for Bourneville. Wow. Didn't expect that, did no. you? No. Curveball. Bourneville, quite... Well, I've been told by my friend James McNicholas, also a very funny comedian, that that is a granny's chocolate. But I like it, I think, because it feels a bit healthier because it's dark chocolate, but it's got the sweetness of milk chocolate. Um, so, yeah, it's just, a, it's just plain chocolate, but it is quite sweet. It reminds me of when you make a cake and you lick the spoon when it's just, like, melted chocolate and butter. Yum. And it's delicious. I feel like that is that in a bar. And it's a good pick-me-up. Um, like, it feels like you get a hit of caffeine and sugar. And it doesn't feel like it's that bad for you because it's dark, even though it probably is just as bad for you. And do you like the really dark chocolates, the sort of 80, 90, 100%? No, I like, I like, I'll tell you what I do like that I didn't think counted as a bar, but lint dark with a touch of sea salt. Oh, yeah. That's really good. I think that's probably about 70%. I wouldn't like to go higher than that because I do have a sweet tooth. And how would these sort of things fit uh, 
into an anxiety diet, like you're, you're short. Oh yeah. Uh, how would they fit in? Well, that sketch. So that's another Turtle Canyon uh, film. The idea was that the diet is anxiety because there's no better weight loss technique than being stressed. Mm. Um, so yeah, guess you can eat as much chocolate as you like when you're anxious because it doesn't make a difference. So you just got to keep the anxiety. Just got to keep the anxiety up. Yeah, and then the weight will fall off. And, and while we're on the subject of Turtle Canyon, um, mm. are you uh, going to do anything more with your baby shower series of shorts? Oh uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's just been nominated for the Funny Women Awards, so we'll see if it wins. <laughs> hopefully, it'll win. So it was if a fabulous not. character, the dead behind the eyes, yeah, saying whatever she's thinking. Exactly. Something I'd like to see more of. Oh, cool! I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it was fun to make, and it's got again lots of great people in it. And is it an extension of you? Is it things yeah, that you I think wish it's you a could say? Heightened version of me, let's yeah. say. Yeah. I'd love to be able to sometimes do talk to people like that. It doesn't get you anywhere though, does it really? Being direct, no, yeah. I think um, there's a lot of having to bite your tongue, especially as a late twenties woman going to a lot of Hindus and baby showers and there is a lot of uh, not, yeah. I mean watch the series, see what you guys think. <laughs> Number six. Number six. Again, a curveball. I'm reading these like I can't believe I wrote them. Number six, munchies. I like munchies. I, I put munchies brackets, not Rolos. <laughs> I do like Rolos, don't get me wrong. But there was a time when I was little and I had a disease called Henoxonline's purpura, which is quite common in kids. But I think I had to have an injection. I remember... My mum, because I hate injections, I've always been slightly phobic about them. And my mum put a Rolo in my mouth at the same time as I was having the injection. I think to soften the blow. Yeah. But I immediately threw up. And I think I now have, even though I do like Rolos, I have that association. So that's why it's munchies brackets, not Rolos. Because I would put them in the same casting bracket, the munchie and the Rolo. Uh, small little chocolates in a packet, so the idea you can have a few. Although I would always have the entire packet. Yeah, it's impossible, isn't it? I know. There are some people that can have half a bar of chocolate and then wrap it up. They are freaks. They're freaks, yeah. So munchies I like because you've got this kind of caramelly crunchiness, but it, there's also a substantial ratio of chocolate to biscuity caramel. And again, I think that's another one where you get the occasional one that's just all chocolate. Just a mistake. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a munchy roulette. Mmm. So do you find your um, romantic life has been cut down by your dislike of Rolos? Up and down the years, has, have people sort of saved you their last Rolo trying to be romantic? You're like, fuck off. Uh, uh, that's never happened to me, actually. But um, uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> but what would happen, though? If I'd be sick on them. Oh. It'd be so romantic. I'd like to see that. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Um, Are you munchies or Rolos for you? Uh, yeah, munchies definitely. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a dangerous game because the packet just instantly go. As you say, you can't. Yeah, I also like the packaging because a lot of chocolate is plastic, but munchies are it's paper, isn't it? The red yeah. paper over the gold. It's classic. And there's the after eight version as well, isn't there? <gasps> yeah. Which are fabulous. I didn't expect to like those, but I, no. What what did I have? I had the after eight. They do them in like matchsticks. Oh, have right, you had yeah. them? Uh, they're really good. They're like matchmakers. Oh, you know, yes. They remind me of like going Christmas. to the theatre. They always sell them, like the mint 
matchmakers. Um, but I haven't tried the after eight munchies, so maybe I'll. Go there's yeah, it's no really biscuit there though. It's just after eighty mm. in a different shape. So it's good though, less thin. Yeah, but mm. nice bit of chunk to yeah, yeah. suck away at for a while. Mm. So the the thin, the long thin matchmaker type yeah. after eights. Does that still have the fondanting stuff in the middle? I seem to remember. It's more like crunchy mint, mm. like with the matchmakers. But don't quote me on that. I certainly won't. But I will look them out and try them. I think. Okay. Great. Thanks for the tip. Didn't make the cut though. Didn't make the top ten. But shout out to After Eights. Next on the list. Next on the list. Number five. Arguably, should it have been higher? Don't know. It's the crunchy. Hey! Love a crunchy. Next to crunchy, I've put Friday Feeling. <laughs> Thank crunchy. I love a crunchy. Honeycomb. What, what did you say? Sorry. Thank crunchy. Thank crunchy, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, my nanny, who used to look after me when I was little... She used to bring me a crunchy after school on a Friday, and it was the most exciting thing ever. Because that was their tagline, wasn't it? Friday feeling. Yeah. Um, there's lots of different ways you can eat it. You could just chew on it, get it down in one, or suck the chocolate off, and suck the honeycomb until there's a lot of sucking in this list, isn't there? The honeycomb until it like melts and becomes almost like syrupy. Yeah. Um, but I love it. It's delicious. You can chip the chocolate away with your front teeth yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that kind of scraping down yeah. like a rabbit, yeah. It's quite an I iconic um, design, isn't it? The, mm. the crunchy wrapper really sort of stands out. Yeah, the gold packaging again. Does um, it appeal to your artistic sensibilities? Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah. I love it. You can't, you can't fault a crunchy, yeah? That's why I'm wondering if it should have been higher up in the list. But then it does get stuck in your teeth. And also, if you want chocolate, it's not... Like, it is mainly honeycomb. So you have to be in quite a specific mood. Yeah. It's not an everyday chocolate, it's a Friday chocolate. When you were at art college um, mm. in Camberwell, uh, how was that? It was good. You've really done your research, I'm impressed. Yeah, I went to Camberwell for a year before I went to Leeds. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was... I found it all very pretentious. Um, you were kind of left to do your own thing quite a lot, which... I'd gone to a school which was quite posh and quite not not pushy, but we were encouraged to do a lot of kind of reading and I had a very good art teacher, so we were we were taught very well and then suddenly we were at art college, we were very much left to your own devices and lots of people swanning around in mad clothes and um, being fairly pretentious but Oh yeah, I liked it in a way. <laughs> Didn't want to, It made me not want to do art at, as a kind of degree subject, but I did enjoy the experience of being at Camberwell. And it set you in good stead for this this show in particular, hasn't it? A yeah, I've got a bit of painting. There. I've always wanted to use some painting in my stand-up shows. So this year, I painted the man who flashed me. <laughs> so yeah, I've got a nice big dick pic on stage with me in acrylic on canvas. So did that help sort of process what had happened to you by painting him? Yeah, in a way, I think it did. Um, it was difficult painting because I was painting from memory. 
and I also didn't want to make I talk about this in my show I, the man who flashed me had kind of Mediterranean skin but when I started painting someone with brown skin it looked bad like pro-Brexit propaganda so I made him white but then I was thinking it's weird to feel guilt about how you depict the man who sexually assaulted you so I think it's very inaccurate as a painting I was trying to do the most kind of generic white man possible <laughs> so it's not a realistic interpretation but um, well definitely the dick is not realistic it's uh, it's very big <laughs> were you not tempted to try and humiliate you know say he turns up at one of your shows and recognises you were you not tempted to humiliate him by giving him yeah but I, I thought that would be a small joke a small joke <laughs> a cheap joke but if anything, I've yeah, I did overcompensate <laughs> with size. But uh, was it therapeutic? Yeah, I think it was. My housemates were very patient because I was taking up the sitting room, painting this horrific scene. Um, and also, my housemate was selling our house, oh so we had people looking round. So I remember having to text her saying, I'm really sorry, the, the painting of the flasher is still <laughs> very much on display in the sitting room. So she was like, oh, don't worry, I've turned it round. Anyway, people put in an offer on the house, so it didn't detract too much. Did they ask to keep the artwork there as well? Yeah, they did. Offered thousands for it. Nice. Uh, no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> what number are we on? Number four. Again, maybe this one should have been higher. I had a lot in the top five that I have a big respect for. This one is the Toffee Crisp. I love a Toffee Crisp. Do you? Yes. I don't think I'd have it quite so high. But really? I do enjoy one, yeah. Oh, I think there's no replacement for a Toffee Crisp. Like a lot of the others, you can kind of swap in and out. But I think there's nothing like it. The kind of combination of the Rice crispy <coughs> caramel. It, oh, it's just it's a brilliant chocolate bar. And are you a fan of the Rice Krispie cake? Yeah, things? used to love making Rice Krispie cakes as a kid. I'd always like to put more chocolate than Rice I think sometimes people don't get the ratio quite right and it's too dry. Yeah. You want like mainly Rice right, mainly chocolate and then some accidental Rice Krispie, I think. Nice thick chocolatey crunch yeah, yeah. followed by the... Well, it's, it's, the, it's the waff again, isn't it? It's the waff, less Back waff, waff, more chock. Yeah. So the seven-year-old you would have really loved a Rice Krispie cake with it. <laughs> yeah, the seven-year-old me. Are you referring to uh, Maisie? Yes, I'm referring yeah. to Maisie. Yeah, I love these links. Yeah, I did a, um, again, a short film with Turtle Canyon comedy where I play a seven-year-old comedian. That was like the first kind of character I did as a stand-up, which is a very thinly veiled character. It's just me doing observational comedy from a seven-year-old point of view. And yeah, she would have liked a Toffee Crisp, I think, <laughs> in answer to your question. And is that something, is Maisie dead or do you think you'll resurrect her at some point? Is Maisie dead? She must be about 13 now, so hopefully not dead. I might resurrect her. The truth comes out of the mouth of babes is the old saying, isn't it? So. Yeah. Was, was she almost like a precursor to the dead behind the eyes lady? Oh yeah, definitely. She's definitely just me playing a seven-year-old. Again, it sort of gives you a license to say more things 
that you wouldn't ordinarily say, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of the joke in my debut show that I was playing a load of different characters, but they were all myself. Um, so the second character was an 89-year-old. But again, just me speaking with my voice, doing observations. Like, don't you hate it when you look through your phone book and you realise all your friends are dead? <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was strange because some, some audiences did respond to it like I was trying to do characters because I'd say it's character comedy but the point was that they were, like the joke was that they were all the same which a lot of people went for and a lot of people didn't <laughs> and how do you how do you deal with that on stage when only half the audience have gone with you with on something um depends what kind of mood I'm in I think I've learnt to not reference it as much as I used to it's difficult sometimes not to pick out the person in the room who seems to be hating you the most, but you learn to um, engage with the people who are enjoying it right? <laughs> and try not to be distracted if there's people who aren't going for it. But of course then you have people like us in the audience who yeah. are not massive laughers anyway. Yeah, and that's, what, that's why doing the free fringe, it can be difficult, but so the free fringe is when you you don't pay for the venue and people don't pay for tickets but you so after the show you stand with a bucket and people can donate ticket money and it is quite useful sometimes if you think it hasn't gone well people are generally really nice on the way out and say they've enjoyed it and put money in and you do get a kind of sense of how well it has gone whereas in a paid venue if you feel the show hasn't gone well often it has but you don't get the direct feedback afterwards so I mean you know generally how well it's gone obviously right. in terms of laughter on stage but yeah standing and uh, uh, having to stand at the end with a bucket when people are leaving can be useful <laughs> although I prefer that mm. I prefer the fact that you've not paid anything to begin with yeah because I've fallen foul of a few times of mm. the pay a bit in advance and then chuck some more in the bucket if you like um i've been accosting people to try to get them to come onto the podcast yeah. having already bought a ticket yeah and then topping it up yeah. with the bucket and they look at the money i'm putting in the bucket and think that that is my sole contribution right you can't sort of say ah, i've already bought the ticket but here's a little bit more because that just sounds petty so yeah i'd much rather have paid nothing in advance or paid it all in advance yeah well, yeah, I know what you mean. It can be a bit... Uh, there's also lots of different models of the free fringe now. Like, as you say, some shows you can book in advance, but they also have a bucket. Whereas mine is pure free, so you can't book in advance. I guess the, the ticketing thing is just to make sure you can get a seat. Whereas at mine, people have to queue. So on a Saturday, if it's busy, we've got to turn people away, which is a shame. Because of stupid scheduling on my part, I had yeah. to see you on Saturday, or I wouldn't yeah. have been able to see you until Friday and wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to see your show before we recorded oh, this. Oh, I see, yes. Yeah. So I had a sprint across town, <laughs> down hills, oh, across yeah. roads. You, you came from Maisie Adams. Yeah, show, didn't and you? it was, I think it listed it as a 12 minute walk. But um, I pretended I was Ewan McGregor in train spotting and just yeah. ran through the city over bonnets. Brilliant. With under buses. Taking heroin as you can. Yeah, it slowed me down a bit though. Yeah, like, yeah. But Luckily, because my blood was up from running, it was easy to find a vein. Didn't Perfect. even need a tourniquet. Yeah. <laughs> these clogged up arteries. Yeah. 
Um, so you said you've been coming here 10 years. Have you mm -hmm. noticed much of a change in that time? Um, yeah, the main thing I've noticed is how expensive it has become. Mainly, like, accommodation is so expensive now. Um, there's so many shows that they cost. I remember coming up to visit um, when I was at school. Actually, no, I did a show when I was at school. A terrible play. Um, but most shows were like five quid. So you could see so many more shows in a day. Now, tickets are like 12 quid for things. And yeah, I think if it's a very boring answer, but like even trains cost like 100 quid to come up, and it, it does make it more difficult for lots of people to come up and perform. Um, do you feel under pressure every day that you've got to hit a certain amount in your bucket for fear of? Yeah, I've got to be able to cover the costs of. I've got some a brilliant like flowering team, but I have to pay them about forty quid a day, and then my tech guy like fifteen quid a day. So definitely want to be making more than say sixty quid a day, which generally ha I have been doing. It's been it's been nice, but then there's the costs of yeah accommodation, PR, production, food, food, gin. Etc. Yeah, it's an expensive old thing to do. Yes, um, and of course, when you came up initially with the tea lights, uh, yeah, that was something you'd formed yourself at university, wasn't it? Yeah, so we funded that throughout the year. So we do shows at the university. So there was a kind of society pool of money. So we had less invested in it. Uh, even though it's what we all wanted to do as a career and have all ended up doing, um, there was still slightly less pressure from a financial point of view, which meant we were able to enjoy it. And setting up the tea lights individually was that a tough? tough yeah, so I didn't. I, I joined the tea lights in my first year, so it had existed for five years. But then I set up the. There wasn't like a comedy society at Leeds, so I set that up because there wasn't a, a kind of comedy community outside if you didn't get into the sketch group the tea lights there was no other platform for like stand-up or anything so I set up the comedy society so that comedy writers and stand-ups and other sketch groups could kind of form with that because there was the sense that the tea lights was like quite an exclusive thing so I wanted to broaden it out a bit so yeah we set up stand-up gigs and meetings where people could write ideas and and I think it's still going, hopefully. <laughs> Number three, giant buttons. Nice. Now, I didn't go for normal buttons because they're so small. But also, I, the reason why giant buttons don't win, I actually had some giant buttons yesterday, and I always think they're, they're too small. Like, you're, you're setting yourself up for something giant. Yeah. Like, if something is calling itself giant, I want it to be, at least be, like, the size of my hand. Um, have you got large hands? No, I've got small hands, so maybe that's a terrible example. But giant buttons, I want to be... I think giant buttons are like pound coin size, aren't they? Uh, yes, yeah. I think you want them to be like the size of a plate. Yeah, that would be a giant button. Yeah, because at the moment they're like button-sized. That's like a, a big button. Yeah, like a Parker jacket button, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I do, obviously, it's classic. It's dairy milk chocolate, 
Cadbury's chocolate, um, bite-sized. You can eat them on the go. Sometimes come with caramel in the middle, is that? Oh yeah, I do like those actually. Um, but I think I am a bit of a purist, so I've just gone for sans caramel. But I've written giant buttons, brackets, not big enough. So on the <laughs> one hand, the good thing about them is that they're bite-sized and you can eat them on the go. On the other hand, that's the thing that I hate about them. So that's why number three. And they're quite picturey, aren't they? The packets, quite sort of cartoony. Yeah, like what is the packet? Purple with some kind of white background. I might even have a packet. I think I put <laughs> it in the bin. In an ideal world, I'd have had them all laid out. I, mean, I know, but I didn't give you my list in advance, did it's, I? It's lucky you didn't. It is, actually. On the subject of the artwork, clunk. Yeah. Um, like we, we talked about your... Uh, art skills um, mm. and you're open for commissions aren't you yes people want to commission you yeah um, what sort of things um, so I work with acrylic paint I've done I've done different um, kind of landscape and seascape commissions um, I do a lot of figurative work as well my most recent commission was James Acaster wanted me to do a portrait of Jack Barry for his new flat I thought he was joking, and uh, but it turns out he wasn't joking, and I've done a painting of Jack. So, and did you go down the realism route, or is it a bit more caricatured? My agent saw it and said it was the scariest thing she's ever seen. I oh. thought I'd gone for realism, but I don't know if Jack <laughs> would be happy with that <laughs> description. But yeah, generally I like doing kind of um, desolate landscapes, but using quite a lot of colour and slight abstraction I'd say and but over, yeah I'm on uh, my Instagram for art is McGraw, uh, what is it McGrath.art I think if anyone wants to look up my paintings and commission me thank you I wasn't aware of that and is it something that helps you with your mind like helps you with mindfulness and yeah I love it I find it really therapeutic although increasingly doing commissions it's become less therapeutic I think it's when same with like comedy and writing when it becomes your career it can be a bit more of a stressful thing because you have to meet deadlines and people are financially invested in it so it's less therapeutic but I do def I keep doing my own stuff and drawing and I like going to life drawing which I find a good offset to anxiety right mm. and do you draw just female figures or male figures as well uh, yeah both I prefer drawing women because generally they're curvier and nicer to draw no offense again to men <laughs> um but yeah there is something i think it's just easier to draw women do you think if you'd drawn more men though you'd have found it easier to draw yeah possibly and i think throughout art history there's more of there are more portraits of and uh, nudes of women than men so yeah maybe that's that's why I find them easier. Uh, what's so, number two? Uh, number two, it's the whisper. I love a whisper. Nearly put whisper gold, but I think whisper pure is the best. Was there a third one at some point? Was there a third one? I've got whisper a feeling gold. there might have been a red one. A red one, did you say? Yeah, I might be misremembering that. Maybe. I mean, I'd Google it, but I can't get on the Wi-Fi here. Um, I love a whisper. I prefer it to an aero. I'd again put them in the same bracket. Yes. Bubbly chocolate. 
but arrows too too many holes for me so I like cause whisper you get the kind of like frothiness of the arrow without feeling shortchanged yeah and again it's a good one to suck on good one to suck on Dissolved. and it's Cadbury's there's nothing better than some solid Cadbury chocolate which brings me on to my number one Ah, but let's not go there just yet. Um, we've not had um, anything with raisins in, which is a shame because I wanted to use a tenuous link to get us into uh, Panatoni Gate. Ah, yes. Yeah, fuck raisins in chocolate. Um, Panatoni Gate, that would have been a nice link. That's another short film that I've made with Turtle Canyon uh, set at Christmas time, where I give a homeless man a Panatoni which is something that happened to me in real life. We were clearing out the office that I worked at and we'd been given a panettone. I thought if it, if it stays in the office over Christmas, it'll go stale. So I went to Piccadilly Circus and gave it to a homeless man, but it was quite a strange exchange and it felt very awkward, like the most decadent uh, food stuff you could give sure. a homeless person, but he was very grateful. I just had a moment where I thought, is this an incredibly misjudged thing to do? <laughs> but then wrote a sketch about it, so worth it. Um, and how did you film it? Because it's snowing in all the exteriors, so were yeah, you just waiting around for we a snowy day? In a way, incredibly lucky, and also it was massively inconvenient. We had planned to do it on this day. We planned to shoot in Crystal Palace at Ben Clark's flat, but we woke up the morning of the shoot and it was snowing it was like the perfect snowy London day but we couldn't we couldn't get to where we needed to shoot so we had to relocate the entire sketch and we had to recast two of the characters so I think Bobby Mayer was supposed to play the, the home it was supposed to be Bobby Mayer and Henry Perryman but we couldn't get to South London so we had to recast with two North London actors so we luckily we got Phil Ellis and Jack Barry who were both brilliant um, but yeah it was a very stressful morning having to but uh, yeah in a way it, it looks magical yes. the fact that we got uh, snow in London because we'd actually packed some like fake spray snow which obviously would have looked nowhere near as good but we had to yeah, relocate the entire sketch. Ben, who was co-directing with Stuart Laws, wasn't able to be at the shoot because he couldn't get out of Crystal Palace. So he was kind of on the phone, helping direct um, from a different <laughs> location. So yeah, it, was, it worked out very well in the end, but it was also a bit of a stressful day. And do you prefer writing for stage and stand-up or... Do you think it's more enjoyable to write shorts and films? Um, I, I like I like doing both. A lot of the films that I've, a lot of the sketches I filmed have started as kind of stand-up routines. Um, so yeah, it's a slightly different discipline, but there's definitely overlaps. So I enjoy both. And by the looks of it, uh, improv as well is something you're that you enjoy quite a lot and very good at um, I particularly enjoyed um, the World Cup with Lou and Annie oh yeah that was a fun thing to do um, yeah so that was last year's World Cup we did a web series um, with Turtle Canyon again lots of shout outs to them um, and that was really fun that was quite intense because we were we pre-recorded a lot of it 
in terms of like the improv, but obviously we couldn't pre-record the outcome of the results. So we we had to be quite. Um, we just had to work very hard, like filming after every game and filming various reactions. So we did film a few, like where we didn't know the outcome of a game. So we'd film the outcome for a draw, a loss or a win. But yeah, Lou is so funny and I love working with her. She's, yeah, she's got a very funny energy and I think we work quite well together. So we did, we pitched to do another World Cup series for the Women's World Cup this year. And everyone said no, which oh. I think is a real shame because that would have been a good, you know, women talking about women's football. Yeah. But television, you know, they hate women. <laughs> so, no, that's not true. And have I read some of that you're quite good at football? Um, you might have read it in an interview that I did. <laughs> no, I think Lou did to give me a shout out. But I, I do play football. I really like it. I play comedians football on Tuesdays. So I was the first girl to cut, to go to that, and I'm trying to get more women along. Um, and Lou's played a few times as well. Um, yeah, it's very fun. Is it competitive? Not really. It's mainly people just asking around. But it do, it, do, it can get competitive. Depends which combination of uh, comedians are playing. Who's the best? Oh, good question. Um, Daniel Kitson and Tim Key are very good but very silly um, who else is good James McNicholas Tom Parry Ben Clark Stuart Laws he's, Greg Jenner is incredibly fast um, so yeah his fitness I would say is probably up there with the best and who do you support? I support Arsenal oh god who do you support? Tottenham oh god Although, you know, the last couple of seasons, it's been there for us, for a change. Good. Moving swiftly on before you hate me. So, um, uh, let's, let's whiz through. Let, in fact, you've, you've got the notebook. Give us a countdown in Top of the Pop style from 10 to 2, please. 10, Kit Kat, 9, Yorkie, 8, Twix, 7, Bourneville, 6, Munchies, 5, Crunchy, 4, Toffee Crisp. Three giant buttons, two whisper, and in at number one. Oh, wait there! Before we get to number one, mm. uh, you Annie have been commissioned by all of the chocolate companies uh, to work on the best chocolate ever. Uh, how does it taste? What does it look like? What's it made of? Mm. Now. Weirdly, I think my absolute favourite chocolate hasn't made it onto the list of top ten because it didn't, it wasn't under. I don't classify it as a chocolate bar. So my favourite chocolate of all time is the dime Easter egg. Oh wow! Have you had that? Yes. So the shell of the egg is really thick, but it's got tiny bits of dime dotted around. And I haven't put dime as my favourite bar because I don't think it is because it's too. Too, too much, much of yeah. the dime and it gets stuck in your teeth and it's a bit stressful to eat but the dime easter egg is absolutely the best chocolate in the world um so now you've asked me to commission something better than that and i'm wondering <laughs> what that would be best chocolate in the world 
Maybe it is the dime egg, but in... Oh, that already exists, doesn't it, in a bar? But is that the best... It does exist in a bar. Is it the best chocolate? Like, would you trade out the dime chocolate for Cadbury's? Is it Cadbury's or Nestle? It's Cadbury's. <sighs> so it's Cadbury's chocolate with dime pieces. Is there, I think that already exists. Is there anything else we could add to it to make it better caramel? We, we know not raisins. They wouldn't make it better. Maybe giant buttons... But I'm talking. I'm not talking about the giant buttons that are small. I'm talking about actual mass, like big discs of dime. So dinner like plate big, sized. Dinner plate sized giant buttons of dime Easter egg. So we've got the thickness of the egg shell, but with little bits of dime in it. Fabulous. So and we're talking like a tube. So maybe like five big discs <laughs> in a tube. You've saved the chocolate industry, but killed the human race with diabetes. Sorry. Fantastic. Every cloud. Let's uh, get your number one chocolate. I feel I've undermined number one by saying that the dime Easter egg is the best chocolate. But I'm going to stick with number one as the twirl. Right. The humble twirl. Because there's two sticks, again. And it's Cadbury's, it's classic, it's milky. It's flaky, but it's contained. That's why I prefer the twirl to the flake. Because you bite a flake and it's carnage. Suddenly little dusty flakes all over you. But whereas with the twirl, you get that, the the nice texture of the flake, but it's coated in a velvety layer. But again though, like the arrow, we're sort of paying for air, aren't we? Yeah, but but I think the twirl, you do get your money's worth because you've got two sticks, whereas the flake is one. One stick, bite into it, it's gone everywhere. It's dust. Twirl, you know where you're at with it. The thing I like about the twirl is, as we've already discussed, I like it when things sort of dissolve Mm. in my mouth. And the twirl, because of the air and because of the surface area, once you've bitten into it, it's, it's a good dissolver, isn't it? Yeah, it's a classic. And a good dunker for tea as well. Would you think that the twirl was uh, the chocolate equivalent of, say, spinach? <laughs> uh, I see where you're going with that, but no. <laughs> Is there a chocolate equivalent of spinach? As in, you're referring to my spinach tweet. I'm referring to your spinach tweet, which for the, for the, uh, had 105,000 uh, 108,546 likes. likes. Oh, look, wow. Have you looked Not today recently? Track. So, yeah, is the twirl the spinach equivalent? Maybe. And obviously that's a, a chunk of your show as well, isn't it, the spinach? Yeah, I've got a bit about the, the tweet going viral and the various responses it got. We also talked about it a bit in the web series Under the Tweets. Have you watched that? Yes, I have, that's yeah. another Turtle Canyon with Little Wonder. So Henry Whittacombe and Stuart Laws is... Um, they joined forces to make this very silly, very self-indulgent, funny web series where we kind of dissect viral tweets. So I went on that, as did Josh Widdicombe, Rose Johnson, Sunil Patel and Jordan Brooks. I think that was the first lineup. So check it out. I don't know why I'm plugging that. Oh no, but it's a good show. And whose tweet had the most likes? In that show? Yeah. I think mine, actually. Nice. So sorry, back to the twirl. Mm. Uh, any more to say on it? I think it's just an example of 
chocolate at its purest um, if it ain't broke don't twix it don't tw- don't twirl it uh, don't, don't twix it is a better pun but we are yeah. talking about the twirl which of, of my top 10 out of interest which is your favourite chocolate bar oh I think I would definitely I think I eat more Kit Kats mm-hmm. but I think that's because they're conveniently located in my place of work when I have moments of weakness but I think given a choice out of all of them the one I would most like to eat most regularly would be munchies mm, but it's probably the one I eat the least two Nestle brands I, I'm doing bad things to the third world aren't I you are yeah that's interesting ones I've got in brackets on the side that I didn't that didn't make the list we already said boost but dairy milk but then that's just a solid twirl isn't it yeah love a dairy milk uh dark bounty had one of those the other day so nice but again i wouldn't have it that regularly you've got to be in quite a specific mood for that yeah um i once made a bounty last an hour and three quarters i had a drive uh, of that length yeah and i was quite tired uh so i started sucking the bounty and once it broken down to just coconut i then just kept chewing it didn't swallow it but that's also the appealing thing about a bounty is it's split into two separate bars within one wrapper yeah obviously I'd always eat both bars in the same sitting but it's nice to sometimes have a little bit of a break in between halves so is that one you might wrap up and save for later oh I'd wrap it up but I'd leave like a five minute gap (laughs) brilliant Uh, what else is on this list fudge slash curly whirly I couldn't believe it. When I went to my secondary school, which was a posh school, uh, obviously, because you can tell by my accent, probably, but we used to get at break time a fudge or a curly-whirly. Just given to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, my parents paid for the school fees, but that was part of... I couldn't believe it when I first went to that school. We'd get apple juice and a curly-whirly, and I thought, this is heaven. But curly whirlies, they are—they're quite hard work, a lot to chew. Yeah. So they haven't made it onto the list. But I do have an awful lot of nostalgia <laughs> associated with. My voice just broke as if I was going to burst into tears <laughs> <laughs> thinking about the curly whirly. And fudge again—that's a nice one, isn't it? Yeah, can't go wrong with. Too small though. Yeah, true. Yeah. For years though, I couldn't tell what they were singing in the advert. I think it says full of Cadbury goodness, but... I don't remember the advert, actually. Probably before you were born. Before I was born. I'm an old I'm man. I'm seven. I'm 57. We need to bring this to a close, don't we? Yeah, where's all the chocolate? And now I'm desperate for it. Yeah, let's make our way into the world, past all of the burger stands, and find a newsagent that's just rammed with chocolate. Yeah, and sounds McGrath, good. And McGrath, it's been lovely. Thank you for Thank coming Thank you for on. having me. So that was Annie. You can catch her if you're very quick uh, after this has been released. So Saturday 21st of September 2019. Um, She's going to be at the Objectively Funny Festival at the Albany. And then after that, 8th of November, uh, St Ives Burgess Hall. I recommend if you know what's good for you catching one of those two shows, but keep an eye out as I'm sure there will be more on the way. For more information on Annie, go to her website, AnnieMcGrath.com. You can find her on Twitter at Annie McTweet and on Instagram McGrath.Annie 
and then mcgrath.art for her art commissions. Check them out, then like and subscribe to the podcast. Chuck some money my way on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is the same as all the social medias at my top 10 pod. And then come back and listen next week for the fourth in the Edinburgh trilogy, quadrilogy, uh, when I'll be talking to actress and star of Lobster Play, Gemma Harvey. Bye, bye, bye.